Okay. Chapter 3, I'd like you to look at verse 17. It said, Although the fig tree shall not blossom, neither shall fruit be in the vines. The labor of the olive shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. Verse 18, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like hinds feet, and he will make me to walk upon mine high places. Everybody said praise the Lord. All right, you can be seated. The Lord bless you. And I appreciate those of you that have braved the blizzard, made it to the house of the Lord. Uh, my wife and I had met a, a woman, and uh, she told me that her and her husband had moved from uh, places like Mississippi and Missouri and Kansas in the last six months have come to sunny South Florida. And, of course, on this particular day that she said that, it was very overcast. As you know, the last few days have been kind of that way. And, and uh, she said, oh, she said, this, this is fine. She said, this is fine. She said, I went home for a week to Kansas the other day, and she said, and it was snow. <laughs> and she started telling us how many inches and how bad it was. And I think she was very happy to run back to Florida. So uh, we may have our forms of blizzard, but boy, they're not near as bad as what some folks are having, right? So thank God, thank God. All right, we're looking here at this uh, prophet of the Lord, and what a beautiful thing he gives to us. He describes a, a difficult moment, and he made it clear that there would, uh, there would, the fig tree wouldn't blossom. There'd be no, no fruit there. He said, neither shall there be fruit in the vines. He said, the labor of the olive shall fail. And he went on to say, the fields shall yield no meat. The flock shall be cut off from the fold, and thou, there shall be no herd in the stalls. Rather bleak situation. There are times when the they said the sky is overhead, yet overcast, and uh, there are times when the weather is contrary to how we'd like it to be. There are times when it looks like uh, you have to look up to look down. It just looks kind of rough all around. And uh, But in the midst of all of that, we must remember that we are above all, most blessed. If you've been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and you have been filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost, then your worst day is better than the best day that people have in the world. You hear me? Your worst day is better than their best day. To know that your sins have been completely forgiven and washed away 
and that God said he'd remember them no more, and that he, being a God who is ready to pardon, who is tender and merciful and of great love, behold what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us, to know and to appreciate and to be thankful for what we have, for the uh, veil that was rent in twain, and for us to be able to see into the things of God, and what all, as it is written, eye hath not seen, and ear hath not heard, what God has prepared for them that love him, and Isaiah said that wait for him. So to begin to grow in grace and knowledge, once you're born again off water and of the Spirit, and uh, to have the clarity of that, to know God's plan of salvation, to be able to see the things of God clearly. And uh, what was it, the one fellow uh, that Jesus, in the days of his earthly ministry, that he prayed for the individual, and he's, he was blind, and he said, and how's it looking? He said, well, he said, I see men as trees walking. And so the Lord had him to, made him look up and prayed for him again. And in so doing, he saw all men clearly. We uh, want to realize that it's going to take sometimes more than one prayer. We've got to realize that there's going to be times when we're going to have to, you know, push there. And we're going to have to put our shoulder to the plow. And the Bible did talk about putting your, your hand to the plow and your strength to that plow. And it did talk about not looking back, that in so doing, we're not fit for the kingdom of God, that we're, we're not going to be in shape, we're not going to be able to be used of the Lord, and we want to be used of the Lord. And so we, we have to fight the forces of hell and darkness that are trying to turn us away backwards. I want to read a scripture to you from the book of Second Thessalonians. 2 Thessalonians, chapter 2, and verse 18. He said, Wherefore, we would have come unto you, even I, Paul, he's saying, would have come unto you once and again. But Satan hindered us. But Satan hindered us. If you... Back up just a little bit to the last chapter of the book of Galatians. That's second to last chapter, chapter 5. And uh, here he was encouraging them in verse 1 to stand fast, he said. Therefore, in the liberty wherewith Christ hath made us free. And be not entangled again with a yoke of bondage. Don't get caught up in things that God brought you out of. Don't turn back to those things. Don't look at those things. Just don't let that become a part of you again. Everybody said amen? Okay. So in, in starting the chapter this way, then I want you to look at verse... Seven. He said, you did run well. He said, what? I'm sorry, he said, who did hinder? That you should not obey the truth. 
Now that's not talking about obeying the truth as far as Acts 2.38 because these folks have done that. We're, we're in an epistle here. We're in a message to a congregation that uh, was birthed at a place called Galatia. But there was some concern here because when this new work was started in this particular area, and these people were now baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost and were getting set, if you please, to run this race that was set before them, then uh, there came this attitude, this spirit that rose up and began to try to pull them back like an undertow to things that they had been delivered from, things that they had come out of, to bring them back into the shadows and into the darkness when they had received such clarity of mind and eyesight. Uh, the eyes of their understanding had been enlightened so that they could know what is the hope of the calling that was given to them in the church, that they could know what their inheritance was, all the great things that God had in store for them. And, uh, but the enemy, we read, Satan, the hinderer, Satan, the one that would like to prevent action here, he doesn't want us to move forward. He doesn't want us to press forward and toward the mark for the prize of the high calling of God, which is in Christ Jesus. He does not like forward motion. He wants us to go backwards, okay? And so he hinders. He tries to prevent action. He tries to prevent forward motion. Uh, he tries to some way to slow us down or get us off course or get our minds tied up on something other than the great calling of God in our lives. We've got to fight for this focus. We've got to, to fight that we can stay tuned in to the things of God and that we can continually set our affections, our emotions, who we are on things that are above and not on things on the earth. We've got to fight those things because uh, we can get very... Uh, we can get very motivated for the wrong thing. We can get very stirred up about the wrong thing. But we are told rather to stir up the gift of God. And so this takes a conscious effort. This takes planning. It takes planning. You know, you've got, to, you've got to think ahead here. And you've got to plan ahead here. And you've got to realize that in the course of a day that there are things that are going to pop up or crop up and they're going to try to turn you, your attention, uh, your thoughts, your intellect, uh, your emotions into different directions, towards different things, all to keep you away from Jesus Christ. You read about uh, a deputy, the Bible said, uh, in the book of Acts. And uh, he had, a, in other words, he had a particular position, a governmental type of, of a position. And that um, in his company, there was a man named Simon Bar-Jesus. And uh, he, he did try, as the Apostle Paul and this deputy crossed paths, and the Apostle Paul began to witness to this deputy, this man of, of some form of reputation and position. And as he began to deal with this man about the truth, then the Bible teaches this guy in the, in the deputy's company, he began to hinder. A spirit was about him, and he began to try to turn this man away from hearing about the faith about this way, about this truth. And, um, and, and Paul had to deal 
with this individual and called him a, a perverter of all that was righteous and, and a, a hinderer of that which the Lord was trying to do in this person's life. There are definite examples in your Bible to get your attention, to make you realize that, of course, number one, Satan does not want us to get baptized in Jesus' name. He does not want us to be filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. He does not, in other words, want us to become a part of the body of Christ. He doesn't want to lose us. He doesn't want to lose his grip on our lives. He wants to keep us driven by the wrong spirit and going into the wrong directions, surely into the wilderness of this life and get caught up in the entanglements uh, of different things that uh, will preoccupy us. And, and those things will always be important. It will always be about those things, never getting to the things of the Lord. One man, for an example, in the book of Acts, was uh, going along on a journey in a very dry and desert place uh, called Gaza. And as he was going along, uh, he was actually reading the Bible. And in reading the scriptures, he was reading Isaiah 53. And he was reading about the actual the crucifixion of Jesus Christ and all the things that were built around that. And uh, as he was reading it, out, apparently out of nowhere is the preacher. Shows up. And being, being bidden of the Lord. And I'm sure that the, uh, the, the preacher, uh, Philip, the evangelist, uh, having come freshly from a heavenly experience. I mean, friend, he left Samaria on fire. He was so excited because people had believed the truth. The whole entire city was filled with joy. He left it in the very capable hands of those that had trained him. And the apostles had it now. And they were seeing a great outpouring of the Spirit after Philip had baptized the entire place in the name of Jesus Christ. And now Philip is bid to move on. And he leaves uh, all this heavenly environment. He leaves this great move of God. And he finds himself in the desert of all things. And he's going along in this desert situation and had to be wondering, why am I here? What am I doing here? Why is this happening? Man, I, why did I have to leave that? and come out here to this. But you see, you learn to trust the Lord, and that the Lord has other things that he is, uh, what did he say, I've sent before thee. And so God sets open doors before us, and he wants us to be about his business. And he doesn't want us to look at it with human eyes and human understanding and human thinking. That, um, you know, there are some people that it's always about the crowd. It's always about the number. It's always about that particular look that affects the flesh, but that isn't how God looks at things. He said, my ways are above your ways. He said, and my thoughts are not your thoughts. And so we want to learn God's ways, and we want to get in and tap into God's thinking, and we want to learn the right way, what pleases God, what God is looking for, and so what will make him a glad and happy father. And so as, uh, as he came about, there's a chariot, and in this chariot, there's this man, and so he is bidden by the Holy Ghost to join himself to this man's chariot. Right in the middle of the desert, here's the preacher, and he's knocking on the door of the chariot, if you please, and, uh, and he's asking this man, you know, what's happening, what are you doing? And the man said, well, I'm reading here. And he said, well, do you understand what you're reading? He said, no, how can I except some man would guide me? And so, poof, here I am. I'm here to guide you. I'm here to guide you. And so he joins himself to this chariot, he climbs up in there, and he begins to preach to this man from the book of Isaiah. 
And in preaching from this book of Isaiah, somehow he brings it around like we're going to do to the pertinent things, to the important things, to what all of that is all about, what it's all designed uh, to bring to a person's life. And so it was that he, uh, in preaching to this man, he taught him about being baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of his sins. And this man, who had a great position back in a country known as Ethiopia, uh, this man was under the uh, under the uh, the ruler of that country, and in so doing, he had charge over their entire treasury of that country. And so now, he's looking at the preacher and listening to the preacher, and he, his eyes fall on a body of water. I don't know whether it was a lake or a canal or what, but there was a body of water. And he said, hey, he said, here's water. He said, what doth hinder me from being baptized? And of course, the preacher said, well, if you believe it with all your heart, he said, then there's nothing to hinder. Let's go do it. And so they stopped the chariot. They got down. They both went down into the water. Isn't that nice? You got to get in this thing, friend. You got to get in this thing. You can't, you can't be on the outskirts somewhere. You got to get into this thing. And friend, it's going gonna, it's gonna to sometimes be a little, um, you know, the reason, the reason that there are people today that sprinkle people in water baptism is because they don't realize the history of it and they don't realize the biblical teaching of it. Your Bible teaches, and the word baptism literally means to immerse or to dip into the water. And uh, Jesus himself, when he was baptized, he came straightway up out of the water, Okay. And so you begin to realize what the Bible teaches. But see, people, people left the original truth. And people begin to bring in their commentaries and their own traditions and their own ideas. And the reason they went to a sprinkling method was because they wanted to present something that would be more convenient. This is not designed to be convenient to our flesh. This is not designed to be that. This is something you push against. This is something you fight the good fight of faith for. This is something that you take. Tell yourself no. This is something that you put your flesh under subjection. Amen. Amen. And heaven knows we all have need of remembrance of that. And Peter did say, I'll stir up your pure mind by way of remembrance. Going to stir you up. Going to shake you up. Uh, we can't afford to, as one place talked about, or more than one place, settling on our leaves where we just settle down. Uh, the thing that you've got to do, and most of the time, as you know, when you have something bottled and you're about to partake of it, you give it a good shaking up. And you don't want what's on the bottom just staying on the bottom. You want it to be a part of the overall plan there that you're about to pour out on whatever it is you're going to do. And so I'm saying to you that we have to have a good stirring. We have to have a good shaking. We have to uh, feel the move of the Holy Ghost in our lives to break us out of a, a place of dull and, and a place of uh, uh, discouragement or a place of depression or a place of uh, apathy where we're just not caring that like we should or we're not involved like we, we should be. We've got to have a stirring. We've got to have a shaking. It, that's why it's in our best interest, I tell you, it is in our best interest that we learn to pray, that we learn to communicate and talk to God, that we learn to read this book and, and hear what God has to say and, and push ourselves, push ourselves to do this thing because it's going to help us then 
to keep things stirred up properly in our lives and keep our keep the, the fire stoked, if you please. Because I'm telling you, the enemy wants to pour, pour cold water on your experience. He wants for you to settle down. He wants for you to get calm. He wants for you to, to just not be involved. We've got to fight that because Satan has come to hinder us. As it is said, he's come to hinder us. The man that was known as the Apostle Paul that said he he said he was more zealous than others, and he said he was what he was by the grace of God. And yet this man found himself hindered. He found himself hindered, even to the place that the Bible made it crystal clear that he said there was a messenger from Satan that had come to hinder him and bother him and, and uh, be a thorn in his flesh. And he said and the reason it was there is because of what God's given me. Because of that grace of God in my life, because of what God has imparted me, because of the blessings of the Lord in my life, he said, I, I realize that I've got to, I've got to uh, put a little extra effort in here. I've got, to, I've got to apply myself. I can't just kick back and settle on my leaves and, and just relax. One place in the book of Proverbs, a certain translation, used the term careless ease. And there is a careless ease, and it is written, Woe to them that are at ease in Zion. We sometimes got to get a little troubled about this. We've got to get under a little load, a little burden about this. We've got to, I'm telling you, get stirred up and realize we're living in the midst of a lost and a dying world. And we've got to realize that we've got a responsibility, not only to uh, our children and our families, but to others all around us, that there is a work of God to do. This is not to be some kind of thing where we're just playing all the time, you know. We've got to get an attitude about us that we're responsible for the things of the Holy Ghost. Responsible for the work of God. Responsible for the things that the church is to be about and to be doing. There is a harvest to be reaped. There are souls to be saved. There are churches to be built. There's a work of God to be done. Amen and amen. And even, even in those moments when, you know, uh, it doesn't look so good. There are times when it doesn't look so good. And, and Habakkuk's writing, he's, he listed out all of these things that didn't seem to be happening. Not, not finding the fruit. Not, not finding the, uh, the, the flock. We're not, we're not finding the oil even of the olive oil uh, fruit of the tree. We're not finding that. There's so many things that he listed out. But you know what he said? Yet, in spite of all of that, he said, I'm going to rejoice. In spite of all of that, I'm going to come back to uh, my roots. I'm going to come back to my foundation. I'm going to come back to who I am and who God is and what has been done for me and, and what direction I need to be going in and uh, what my mind needs to be focused on here, that I could have a clarity, that I could absolutely get rid of the, the smears and the streaks and the, and the fingerprints all over, and I can't, and it, you know, it's just trying to hinder my view here. I'm going to clean that up real good. I'm going to get a fresh touch to where things come into focus and the, the things uh, of this world become, what did the one song say? Strangely dull. And, um, and, and what's going to be clear is the Holy Ghost. What's going to be clear is the church. What's going to be clear is the great work of God. And though, uh, because I tell you, we are headed into a thing here. We're headed into a time here when there is many a preacher, good preacher, uh, that I will tell you as much as, as 35 and 40 years ago that were preaching and believing that the church was leaving any second. 
And uh, here we are all these many years later, okay? And uh, I, I can name names of men that, uh, that absolutely set dates, which were the wrong thing to do. And, uh, and those dates have long been missed. And uh, you better stay with this good word of God, and you better realize that it's not always going to be the wind to your back. It's not always going to be uh, a happy, happy, happy time that there's in, in the sense of uh, what we in the flesh think is happy, uh, but that there's going to be uh, some hindrance here. There's going to be the, uh, Jesus said at one place uh, in, uh, when Judas had come to betray him and, uh, the, and the forces of darkness that had closed in on him in that garden and the disciples that were there, and he said, this is your hour and the power of darkness. You're going to have your moment. We're going to give you your moment. Well, there's going to be, uh, Satan's going to have his moment in, in our time, church family. He's going to have his moment as he's, as he's pulling this world together and the many minds that he has evilly affected and, and gotten them to think the way that they think. I hear things on the radio and on the news that I wonder, how can they think like that? But it's because they're not born again. It's because they don't have the truth. And that's why we've got to remember that, first of all, we're to pray for those that are in authority. We're to pray for those that are in positions here in this life that we might live quietly and peaceably. Yes, we would like for things to be smooth. But you know what? When you get in this ship, friend, you get in the church and you're heading over to the other side, that place called heaven, you better know between here and there, there's going to be some disturbances. There's going to be some hindrance. There's going to be some devils rise up. There's going to be some some force of darkness are going to come out of the four corners of the earth and they're going to fight against the church and that we are a part of God's team and we've got a job to do and we want to be about our father's business. We want to be about it. We want to be interested in it. We want to be interested in the things of God. We want to be so heavily involved in the church. We don't want to allow uh, our time to be going into other things. Uh, until finally, you know, where did all the time go? Where did the day go? And pretty soon it's where did the weeks go? And then where is the months go? And then where did the years go? And it just keeps building up. And the enemy is just going to keep trying to keep us diverted in different directions, okay, looking at different things, where all the while we're, and the writer is saying to this congregation at Galatia, he's saying, you did run well. He said, but uh, we've had something happen here. Listen to what he said. He said, you did run well. He said, who did hinder you that you should not obey the truth? In other words, that you're not going forward in this truth. This truth goes beyond Acts 2.38. It doesn't end with Acts 2.38. That's the beginning of it, okay? And, and, and the Bible said the end of a thing is better than the beginning thereof. Well, what a great beginning it is to be baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. But that's just the beginning. That's just the beginning. There's, there's something to grow in here, and we are told to grow in grace and knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. And as we're growing in grace and knowledge, as we're going forward, as we're attempting to do the work of God, and you better understand that there's going to be that which comes against us. But I'm glad to tell you that the Bible said the gates of hell shall not prevail. I'm glad to tell you that there's times when, yes, it's not going to look so good and this doesn't pan out, that didn't pan out, this doesn't seem to be working, the other doesn't seem to be showing any fruit or any promise. But in spite of all of that, the writer said, yet in spite of all of that, he said, I'm going to rejoice. 
I'm going to rejoice in God. And Paul said, I say unto you, rejoice. And I say unto you again, rejoice. It's just doubling down on this thing. I'm going to keep myself involved in the work. I'm going to keep myself involved in the church. And there's never going to be a thought of going backwards or going right or left. I remember as a very young man in the Lord, I asked a brother that had been in the church for quite a while, and we were working on the church, and um, I don't know why I said it. I just said, did you ever think about backsliding? He said, to what? <laughs> to what? Going back to what? And there is nothing to go back to. Who wants to go back to that horrible pit? People forget sometimes what the Lord brought them out of. They forget, and that's what, you know, when they came out of Egypt and they went through baptism in the, in the Red Sea and they uh, went with Moses and going on and going forward and drank of that rock which Christ, the baptism of the Holy Ghost, and then as they were headed towards the beautiful church, the promised land, all the things that God had outlined and planned and ready and waiting for them. And uh, as they got to that river's edge, there was so much strife. They sent the as spies over, and as the spies, 12 spies came back, 10 of them had an evil report, an evil report. You talk about pessimism. When you talk about having something negative to say, you know, it's important not to be negative. It's important to be positive. It's important to be an optimist and not a pessimist. It's important to, to, that your words build faith and lift people up, and, and you're not sowing seeds of discord. God hates people who sow discord. I don't want to be on God's hate list. I don't want to be there. For I want God to, to hear positive things coming. I want God to hear uplifting things. I want God to know that we're speaking often one to another in his great name that we've been given the name of Jesus Christ and that there's a book of remembrance and that it's being put in that book of remembrance that we spake often one to another, having the right words, talking about him, talking about his name and uplifting one another and uplifting others and, and bringing optimism and bringing encouragement bringing things that will absolutely help the body of Christ to go forward and do the work of God, and that there is a way through Jesus Christ. There is an answer to our problems and our difficulties and our, uh, the things that are coming against us. And there, mind you, there are things going to come against us. You're going to have to realize that. But uh, it should never keep us from obeying the truth. It should never keep us from growing in grace and knowledge. It should never prevail in our lives because it is written, the gates of hell shall not prevail. If we want to realize that if you got to look at Job and his writings and what all he went through and everything that was stripped away from him, doesn't it sound somewhat like this prophet saying if this doesn't work and that's not working, the other's not working, and here's, here's Job, one servant after another, coming in, one employee coming after another, to bring him a sad story and a, and, a, and a bad report. And yet this man, even his own wife, turned against him and spoke foolishly. And thank God for men, hello, that can stand up and be strong when even their wives, the weaker vessel, sorry ladies, you know, would, would have something not so positive to say. And that the man can square his shoulders and be the leader. And say, oh no, oh no, yet will I rejoice. God will bring us out of this. God will see us through this. The sun will shine again. Amen. And the tree will bear fruit again. And many good things will come to pass in God's own time. In God's own time. 
And I will say, too, thank God for women when the men quit that the women keep going. All right? And they become the spiritual head. But I, I'd rather see us go forward as God intended, all right? I'd like to see it the way God wants it to be. And you've got to work for that. You've got to work together. You've got to uh, make steps together. You've got to realize that we're going to, we've got to be agreeing. We've got to be agreeing in the name of Jesus Christ and in the things that are connected with the church. We've got to be in agreement to those things so we can work together, stay together, walk together, and, and be productive and be happy and, and see our families happy in the Holy Ghost, all right? And so there are, I'm saying to you, there are hindrances from Satan that... Uh, would try to keep us from obeying the truth. And then there becomes, you know, those arguments over uh, and those debates over uh, do you have to do this or, or is this necessary or I don't agree with that or I can't stand this or I don't like that. You know, that's where you start letting the spirit get in there and attitude creeps in there. And you do not want those negative things. You do not want your conversations to become negative. You do not want your, your verbiage, you know, to become negative and, and saying things that are... I remember when I first came in the church and my pastor set up a contest among the church family and gave out different colors of teams, the blue team, the red team, whatever. And um, I was brand new and I was chosen to be a captain of a team. I didn't hardly know two and two was four, but that's the way it went. And so uh, I remember he had us come in, the, the team captains in the office, and, and he interviewed us. Uh, and, and he asked me, you know, how I was the first one that he looked to, and I, I was so green and everything I didn't know, and, and he wanted something positive from me and to encourage the others that were in the meeting, and I just had a terrible report because I had run into the people that he'd give me on the team, and they were all just mully-grubbing, and they were saying it wasn't going to work, and blah, 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 and I let them kind of affect me and discourage me about it. And boy, when he saw which way I was going, he just cut me off and went to the next person, you know. And, and so he, gave, he, had, he had mercy on me, though. We came around at the end of the meeting. He gave me a second chance to say something. And I was very positive about that that time. And, uh, and you know, when that contest was all said and done, it was my team that won. So, you know, you just have to realize that though some things look a certain way and though some things aren't looking productive for you, you hang in there and you rejoice in the Lord and you thank Him for whatever challenge He has sent your way, whatever He allows you to go through, you believe that all things work together for the good. For you that love God, you are called according to His purpose. Oh, yes. You pull on these things and remember these things. And, the, you know, he went on to say here in the book of Galatians, he said, this hindrance, he said, this persuasion cometh not of him that called you. In other words, it doesn't come from Jesus. And when you see things that are just downright negative and, and trying to destroy, trying to sow discord, then you know that that's not of God. You learn to recognize the difference and to discern between good and evil between right and wrong, between bitter and sweet. You learn to grow and grow, and it don't matter who it is, okay? Jesus Christ looked at Peter one day, man. He was like his right-hand man, and he put him in his place because of the spirit that got on him and the spirit that he was entertaining. It was the wrong spirit. And he told him, he said, get behind me, Satan. Well, Jesus was looking right at the devil who was hovering over Peter. And, uh, and he began to rebuke that spirit and told him what an offense he was. And, um, and, and Peter had to learn a lesson. He had to learn how to discern a spirit and when it was not of God. And, and Jesus made things clear. He said, if certain things don't happen and 
They sound like really bad things, and in some sense of the word, they are bad things. He said, but if we don't have those things happen, he said, then there's not going to be any salvation. There's not going to be anybody get the Holy Ghost. The scriptures are not going to be fulfilled. So you and I have to realize that, that uh, if, if, uh, if, P, if, if Philip hadn't obeyed the Lord and left that beautiful revival in the hands of the apostles without a, a, not one word of dissent, not one word of contradiction, that he just went on his way and finds himself in the desert. And then what would have happened if he had not been obedient and sensitive to the Holy Ghost? Then we would have had a man that reputedly went back to Ethiopia and brought the name of Jesus Christ and brought this Holy Ghost experience. He wouldn't have gotten there. He wouldn't have had the message because Peter, uh, Philip wouldn't have been where he belonged to be when God told him to be there. Because he would have said, I don't want to go there. I don't want to do that. You know. It's dry there. It's hot there. Miserable out. But he didn't act that way. And so you and I, you know, the devil disguises things. And he always tries to make it look unappealing to us. And we, we are weak in the flesh. Isn't that what your Bible said? That, that old flesh is, is weak. And uh, the spirit is willing, but the flesh is weak. And he, he exploits the weaknesses of our flesh. And he knows what buttons to push. He knows how to, uh, to make us discomforted about things. And uh, he tries to make everything inconvenient. He wants to make it inconvenient. You hear me? And so uh, what did one king say to the Apostle Paul? He said, um, he said, I'll hear you again when I have a more convenient season. Paul had just got done witnessing to him. And here's Paul in, in such bad, dire straits. He's a prisoner. Uh, he, he's being fought against the truth here. And yet, in the midst of that, he stands and squares his shoulders, and he says, I count myself happy. And because I'm going to get to testify to you, King, I'm going to get to tell you. And that's what I'm living for, to tell you the truth and others like you. And as he began to uh, preach to this man and teach him and reason with him, of righteousness and temperance and things to come, a judgment to come. Then the king said, man, he said, almost you persuade me to be a Christian. He said, but you know what? He said, you go your way. As a matter of fact, I think much learning doth make you mad. And, and uh, the apostle Paul certainly denied being mad. But um, he, the king went on to say that he said, I, I'll hear thee in a more convenient season. Well, you know what? People procrastinate. People put things off. And you and I, when people hit that kind of mode, we've got to move on to the next person. It's an old saying. It's not in the Bible. But there is an old saying that said, a watch pot never boils. And it just means that if you stand over something and you just keep on, keep on, keep on, it seems like it takes forever. It's like on your job. If you're busy about your job, the day goes by quickly. But if you stand around picking your teeth, you know, and just moaning and groaning, what a day it is, blah, 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 the day just seems longer, and it just stretches out, okay? So I'm saying to you, the Apostle Paul made, was trying to make it clear, get through to this man, this guy's talking about convenience, convenience. We're living in a world where it's all about convenience. There are people that even have marriages of convenience, believe it or not. Let me tell you something. We want to be about our Father's business. And we want to realize and focus it in what this is all about and what Jesus is trying to do in our hearts and our lives. It's not about you fi figuring some little cushy life and feathering your own nest somehow. You'll never get to that place. Just like there's no convenient season. You're never going to get to where everything is just right. 
because the flesh is never satisfied. You hear me? The flesh is always complaining. The flesh has always got something negative about it. And, and that, that spirit of that negativity will get on you. And I'm telling you, it will never be warm enough. It will never be cold enough. It will never be sunny enough. It will never be the right amount of clouds. Uh, the seasoning in the food will never be just right. And this won't be right. It will always be an off-balance situation because Satan has got you off-balance. Don't you know in the Old Testament it showed how that they would take an enemy and they would cut the thumbs off and they would cut his great toes off. And it, it, it was to take the balance away and the ability to grip. You've got to get a grip on this thing. And that's why God gave you those thumbs. Get you a good spiritual grip on the things that God has placed in your possession. He told them, you go in and possess your possessions. It's all there for you. But you've got to become, as the Bible said, we are not ignorant. Well, thank God, like, stop right there. We're not ignorant. <laughs> God, deprive us of our ignorance, my pastor said. Well, uh, we want to uh, realize that we're not ignorant of Satan's devices. You've got to, you got to learn. You can't just keep going on with, with your eyes closed and your ears stopped up and your mind dull. And that's what he told them and warned them about in one of his teachings. And uh, we, we want to get our eyes open. We want to get our ears open. And we want to get a mind that is sharp here and sensitive. And that we're, we're learning about the things of God. And we're, we're learning how this operates and this works in the spiritual realm. And that we're in the body of Christ. And that we are growing in grace and knowledge. And that we are going forward. But it's, it's going to be a battle. Because there are those forces of hell that come against us. They're, going, they're not just going to let the church sail through and always have smooth sailing. There's going to be terrible storms. There's going to be times when the boat rocks to and fro and you're going to have to fight off seasickness. You know? You're going to have to fight off uh, a feeling of, of everything is uh, messing with your equilibrium. And, then, and notice what the writer said, though, and everybody said, praise the Lord. Notice what the writer said here in Habakkuk uh, as he, he dealt with this part of it. Listen closely. He said, um, he said, although the fig tree shall not blossom, and he said, neither shall fruit be in the vines. He said, the labor of the olives shall fail, and the fields shall yield no meat. He said, flocks shall, shall be cut off from the fold, and there shall be no herd in the stalls. And yet he said, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will joy in the God of my salvation. The Lord God is my strength, and he will make my feet like Hind's feet. Now that's the Rocky Mountain goat. Okay? That's the dude that just can bounce like a pogo stick up all the mountain. Bong, bong, bong. And he can land on top of a pointy, craggy rock. All four hooves right there. Boop. Just, you know, like on the head of a pin. And be balanced. Now God wants you and I to have balance. He wants us to have that ability to stand in the narrowest of places. Okay, uh, what did the Bible term use it um, about being in a great strait? You know, you find yourself in a conflicted place. You find yourself being pulled, and the enemy wants to pull you right or pull you left or pull you forward or push you back. All right. When I was a young man in uh, in school, and we played uh, football, we had to get down in our football stance, and and there'd be a whole bunch of us, and the coach would come along, and you wouldn't even know where he was at, and all of a sudden he hits you. From a certain angle and what he was trying to do was to knock you off balance and uh, I remember we had a young man here 
uh, came to church, and, and it was sad when he left the church because he became a terrible cocaine addict. But uh, while he was in the church and while he uh, was going to the public high school, he, he was a wrestling champion. And uh, one day we were messing around, and, and so I wrestled him a little bit. And he got in a certain stance, and I promise you I could not budge him. And he, he wasn't tall. Uh, he, wasn't, he wasn't a giant of a man. And uh, he was a Spanish young man, and he was a nice young man. His name was Carlos. And, uh, but he got down on all fours, friend, and you couldn't move that dude. You could not move him. And he went to plenty of wrestling matches where men, there were guys, he went to college-type things, and they were big and tall, and, and he'd whoop every one of them, and they'd look at this little guy, <laughs> and he'd whoop every one of them. And, uh, but I'm saying to you, to, to develop a sense of balance to where no spirit can knock you off where God puts you. Remember, you've been led to the rock that's higher than you. Remember that you can yet rejoice in spite of all the things that are coming against you. Family's going to come against you. Pressure is going to come your way. All kinds of things the enemy's going to pull out of his bag of tricks, his nasty bag of tricks. He's going to pull all kinds of things. He does not play fair. Do you hear me? There are no rules with the devil. That's exactly what I'm telling you. There are some places where the only rule is there are no rules. Nothing matters. You better tell yourself this book is loaded and God has given commandments and we want to obey what God has to say. We want to do what the Lord hath commanded. We want to be, we want to achieve and then maintain balance. And you know, that's what we mean when we say we want to get saved and we want to stay saved. All right? We want to, when you get saved, God gives you balance. And God, God isn't wanting you go right or go left. He doesn't want you to be odd and weird and and crazy, and, and I'm trying to tell you that spirits get in. You've got the truth. Well, then he gets in there and he tries to twist the truth in your hands. He tries to twist it in your mind. I heard somebody say uh, this morning, uh, they were saying about Acts 2.38, and that that was uh, the right thing to do in the plan of salvation. Then they turned right around and messed the whole thing up and told people to invite Jesus into their heart and take him as their personal Savior and just blew the whole thing. And uh, they, But you see, the enemy can come in. And he can do all kind, get people to do all kinds of things. He'll tempt them to do it. And, and, and there are different uh, persuasions. And this is what the writer said. They wanted, they wanted to come in there, this beautiful new congregation that was baptized in Jesus' name and filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. And that spirit rose up and bring in, brought in certain ones and got them among the congregation and began to talk to them about you need to do it this way. And they wanted to go back to things that were under the law. And, and they were affecting these people. And to the where the writer Paul said, you did run well. Who hindered you? What's taking place here? What's going on? What's happening here? What's gotten you off balance uh, here? That, that's not to be. You know, God has done a great work in your life. All of the scriptures of the Old Testament have been brought to a fulfillment. They, they are fruition in your life to where all of these things now have taken on a clarity and you're baptized in Jesus' name. Now you understand what it really meant about the, the lamb and the, and the Passover and the blood over the lintel. Now you really understand what it was all about when Moses took them through the, through the cloud and through the sea and then they drank from that rock. Now you're understanding all of these beautiful things that were given to you in shadow and type. Now you've got the meaning of these things, the realization of these things. You've experienced these things. What's to go back to? I don't want to go back to that. I don't want to go back to confusion. That's another thing about Satan. He's the author of confusion. Confusion. Things that he wants people to do. And uh, 
people to get involved with. And it's nothing but confusion. Okay? It's confusion. And you have been taken out of confusion. You have been brought out of darkness. You have been brought into balance and to his marvelous light. And that you're not tripping and stumbling any longer. Okay? Because you have his marvelous light. You know, you're not, you're not bumping into things and hurting yourself and, and self-inflicted wounds and, and just going in all kinds of wrong directions. Not any longer. Now, now the light has been turned on. And you're encouraged here uh, to walk in the light as he is in the light. And then you can have fellowship one with another. It's a blood-washed fellowship. And you can have that. Uh, you, you know that my, my fellowship is going to come from the church. I'm going to develop good, uh, healthy relationships in the church. I'm going to love my, you know, God gave you a brother to love. God gave you a sister to love. And that you're in the body of Christ and you need to recognize what God has provided and what God wants you to, to have that, that beautiful feeling and experience of love in your life that you will appreciate the things of God and what all God hath provided. And if there's weak among us, then the weak can uh, be made stronger by the strong. You which are strong, the Bible said. Uh, you learn how to uh, help them. And then to the point that and you're not going to help them with negativity. You're not going to help them with, with being a pessimist. You're not going to help them by sowing seeds of discord. You've got to be an example to people. And you've got to show them in, that, in their moment of weakness what's right. And you've got to show them a strength. And that's where the Bible said, ye which are strong, ye which are spiritual. It said, when you see somebody overtaken in a fall, you help that person. You lift that person up, the book said. You don't show them a way of weakness. You show them a way of strength. You don't show them to uh, go against leadership. You show them to get in there and stand with the leadership. You show them the right things, the right example. You give them the right words. Amen. And if you're going to do that, then you've got to have that in your heart. So important, so important, so that we can grow in grace and knowledge. And that's what the Apostle Paul was trying to rescue, a brand new work in Galatia. To get, telling them to take on, finally, he said, you take unto yourselves the whole armor of God and to be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might and trying to teach them and teach them and teach them. And so it is that as we, as we move onward in God, this isn't something that you're, uh, we have seen people get all kinds of confused and all kinds of twisted and all kinds of mixed up and uh, they just get out in left or right field somewhere and teaching things. And I don't even like to bring those things up because I don't want to introduce anything like that to your mind and to your thinking. But I tell you, many people who had the baptism of the Holy Ghost and were, and were baptized in Jesus' name and God placed them in the church and wanted them to be balanced and go forward, that they got taken by spirit and they just went in wrong directions and got to believing very weird and strange and odd things. And it's so important to stay with chapter and verse and subject matter and to stay with the teachings. And if there's going to be a tradition, it needs to be the tradition of the elders that were in the Word of God and that we're, we're walking in the light as Jesus Christ is in the light and we're looking to them that were before us uh, to be an example to us of how, what their lifestyle was like, what their conversation or their lifestyle was like. And we want to pattern ourselves after that. We do not want to get involved, I tell you, with things that are not uh, rooted and grounded in this great Word of God. We don't want to allow those kind of things to get a hold of us and we get taken by some spirit and go in some crazy direction. And it's just ridiculous what you see happen to people that were called to such a great calling. It is a high calling. It is a heavenly calling. 
It is a holy calling. And, and it's important, church family, that we stay balanced. God said, look, I'm going to make your feet like the hinds feet. I'm going to give you a balance. I'm going to make you to walk upon my high places. And you can look and say, I don't, I don't know how I can walk on that. Well, God can make it to where you can walk on that. And God can smooth out. The Bible said he can smooth out the rough place. And he can bring down the mountain. He can bring up the valley. So many things that God can do and so many ways that God wants to use. What it was written about Amos, they, they got mad at Amos and... Um, and they told him, don't preach like that. Don't teach like that. We can't bear the word of the Lord that you're bringing to us. And he said, hey, he said, listen, I was just a gatherer of fruit. That's all I was. But the burden of the word, and his name Amos means burden. And the burden of the word of the Lord came unto me, and the Lord told me to do thus and so. And, and they couldn't stand that good, pure word of God. No more than, than they could stand it when Moses came down out of the mountain. Friend, his face was beaming and shining. And, uh, and boy, you talk about Thomas Edison would have liked to channel that, friend. He would have liked to get a hold of that. But, uh, but my point is, is that, that here, here he comes down off the mountain, and they're saying, Put, cover that up, cover that up. Well, there's something wrong with people, and it means it's their flesh when they want to uh, cover up the things of God, when they want to put it in the closet somewhere, shove it under the bushel basket and under the bed. Oh, friend, we want this out where everybody can see. We want everybody to know we've got the Holy Ghost. We want everybody to know we're baptized in Jesus' name. We want everybody to know that we're in the church and that what we have is right and it's balanced and it's of God. And it doesn't matter if it's mother, father, sister, brother, cousin, aunt, double first cousin, doesn't matter. We want them to know. And, and we're not going to stand, though, over the watch pot. We're not going to stand over uh, family members. And there's more than, than family members in this world, okay? There's, there's people. There's a harvest out there. And we've got to be about our father's business. We want to be about our father's business. We want to raise up these children, raise them up in the church, raise them up in the body of Christ, get them to be a part of the great work of God and be about the things that are important, the things that mean something, okay? And I'm telling you, you don't want to miss the opportunities that God has presented to us. The book did talk about in Hebrews that there, there was opportunity for people to go back, but they, they said, no, sir, we're, we're persuaded. We're seeking something better here, and we're persuaded. We're not going back to nothing. There ain't nothing to go back to. We're going forward. We're going forward. We're going forward. Come on now. Thank God, and thank God. Thank God. All right, everybody said praise the Lord. All right, let's stand together. We're going to worship the Lord. And bless his holy name. What a great rally we had Friday night. I'm telling you what. It was a beautiful move of God. Great preaching. It was just wonderful. And I'm glad to be right here with you this morning. And I want you to enjoy God. Let us sing and worship him.